0: Join me, Toby Young, and my very good friend James Dellingpole on London Calling with new shows released every Monday. We gripe and moan with impotent rage at the latest assaults on our freedoms across the English-speaking world, marvel at the antics of our Oxford contemporary and former spectator boss, Boris Johnson, and keep up a running commentary on the latest effusions of the entertainment industry, like a conservative country club version of Statler and Waldorf, except
1: a lot more highbrow, obviously. It's all right here on the Ricochet Audio Network, and
0: wherever you download your podcasts. on this episode, Benji backer, president of the American Conservation Coalition because they're attacking this from a social justice lens
1: and a economic lens, not an environmental lens. They're not looking at this from how do we reduce emissions they're looking at this as how do we transform the American economy
0: I'm David M. Drucker with the Washington Examiner and welcome to another edition of In Trump's Shadow: the Battle for 2024. Every once in a while here on In Trump's Shadow, I like to do a deep dive on an issue or some nerdy political dynamic. And that's what we're doing here with my conversation with Benji, who I spoke with recently as the American Conservation Coalition gathered for a conference in Washington, D.C. The American Conservation Coalition is a conservative group that believes climate change is real and man-made and a problem, but that believes the Democratic Party's solution to addressing the issue is all wrong and counterproductive. So Benji and I broke down the issue as he sees it and discussed just how important it is for Republicans to acknowledge climate change and propose solutions if they hope to appeal to younger voters and keep them in the GOP fold, and not just when they're young, but as they grow older, too. And now, Benji Backer. Benji Backer, president of the American Conservation Coalition. Exactly right. Thanks so much for joining us on In Trump's Shadow. Oh, boy. Great to be here. (laughs) (laughs) So, listen, I have a ton of questions. Um,
1: Usually people do. Yeah.
0: Um, First of all, what is the American Conservation Coalition?
1: The goal is pretty simple, and it's to bring conservatives to the table on environmental issues. And we do that by building chapters across the country, similar to what the Sierra Club and other groups have done on the left, but doing it the conservative way.
0: Yeah, but that's... A problem, right? Because conservatives don't believe... I don't even know what I believe totally, but I'm just saying conservatives don't believe climate change is a thing.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of things there. First of all, conservatives love the environment
0: more than anyone. They do love the environment, but they don't think that uh, climate change is a crisis of epic proportions and even if it is a problem, it's not man-made, but then they even fight about whether it's just a hoax made up by Mm. leftists who want to take away their awesome F Ford F-150s or, you know, well, that's my pickup of choice, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's just, they just, they they love it. We're all paying a million dollars for gas right now, right? So that's where conservatives are, or is that not true? Is there an undercurrent of, Conservatives who believe that climate change is a big enough issue that the government needs to address it, or that somebody needs to address it, they just don't like the options, whether it's the Sierra Club or all of that, and all of their solutions.
1: Yeah, the latter, the latter part of that is is growing really quickly. Uh, You know, for for a long time, conservatives were skeptical of climate change, and rightfully so, because of what the left was saying. You know, the climate change organizations put Al Gore as their head spokesperson. And Al Gore is not somebody that I like. It's not somebody that most conservatives like. And so automatically you wanna run the other way. But the reality is, oh, the world's not gonna end in 12 years. We don't need to dramatically change our Wait, is
0: that true? So so all of these models or information that's hyped says, well, not that the world's gonna end, but that we have, you know, a dozen years. And after that, it's gonna be, you know, the Gobi Desert. all over the planet.
1: That's not even scientific. And that's where I think conservatives need to step in because the science says that this is natural and human caused, that it's not a doomsday scenario, that we don't need to dramatically change our economy overnight, but that we do need to do something to transition to less pollution and cleaner energy, cleaner vehicles, whatever we can do to be cleaner. And I think that's something that most conservatives can get behind.
0: Right. Maybe they could, but why? Like, why? I mean, other than Let's not pollute. Look, yeah. I mean, I grew up in Southern California. Um, I grew up at the beach. Mm-hmm. It was nicer at the beach because when I was growing up a million years ago, there was such a thing as smog all over the place and we didn't have any smog at the beach. So everybody, no matter what your political persuasion, would rather have blue skies, clean air, clean right. water, and all that stuff. But like... But why? Maybe the Earth, it's like, it's been around a lot longer, you know, it was here before us and it'll sure. be here after us. But But is it the your position that this is an issue that must be addressed. And if so, why? Because otherwise, what will happen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's one of two reasons why you should care. The second reason is really important to listen to if you don't agree with the first. The first is that small changes in temperature that are caused by humans actually have a pretty big impact. If you think about where I grew up in Wisconsin, the snow line was at a Average of about 31 degrees uh, where I lived, 31 degrees Fahrenheit. A one or two degree increase in that on average each year means more rain instead of snow. And that changes the entire makeup of a winter.
0: And are we getting that? Are we getting these temperatures? We are.
1: So over the last six or seven decades, we've seen the most rapid increase in temperature that humans have ever recorded or been able to look at back in history, especially over that course of time. And the second reason why we should care, let's just say that we don't want to take action because of those small changes that are actually having big impacts. How much are we willing to risk that the science is wrong, that these small changes won't make an impact, and that communities who are living in a place where farming is on the margins – Uh, coastal cities are on the margins. There's a lot of places on the margins in the world that rely on the temperatures and the weather that they have. How much are we willing to risk that all this is just a farce?
0: And is all of this man-made or is it just the earth going through life cycles? That is where the left has totally co-opted this. A decent chunk
1: of it is natural and a decent chunk of it is man-made. And the science says that, but we hear all the time that it's just humans,
0: but if a decent chunk of it is natural, what are we supposed to do about that? Or as your argument would be, we're not going to do anything about that part, but we need to address the part that we do contribute to. That's so exactly that, right. The impacts of the natural—that's
1: exactly right. It's it's humans should not be increasing the temperature at a rate that isn't natural. Natural cycles are almost unavoidable. I mean, we can do things to protect against the results of that. We can prepare ourselves better but when it comes to humans impact we're doing something to the cycle of our climate that is not natural and that needs to be reined in and the reality is what it comes down to at the end of the day is finding ways to have cleaner air and at its core that's what fighting climate change is all about it's reducing pollution in the atmosphere and the human related impacts of that should be lowered
0: as much as possible and so, if we do nothing, can we always do something? Because you and I were talking about this idea that we've got a dozen years, and then right. we're all going to be dead, or something, or you know, it's going to be the Gobi Desert. That's what I like to say, um, or some desert all over the place. Um, but like, what happens if it takes? What happens if it takes the developed world fifty to hundred years to finally say? we're going to do all of these things. And is there a way to do this, you know, politicians love to say, "We you can have it all." Right. We can implement all of these changes, the economy into environmental policy and it's not going to cost you a dime. Right. Right. Well, I People, I'm asking a very broad question no, here, but really I'm important. trying to get to like so if we you don't agree action. with you don't agree with the left's right prognosis, yeah. what is your prognosis for when With something better be done, and what is the approach that we should take, and is it going to cost? I mean,
1: yeah, it's an you important know, question. You know,
0: one of the things I think is funny about the the Green New Deal, right. and look, policies are all worth being debated, but if if we've got only a dozen years left, and it's that much of a crisis, I and mean, shouldn't everything else take a back seat to it? But nobody wants to take a back seat to everything else, right? So where, Again, where are you guys on this? Yeah, so
1: the science itself says that. The goal for the, the world should be as much as possible to be carbon neutral by 2050. What that means is that we have over two decades to start reducing emissions significantly. It's not 12 years and it's not overnight. And it's not saying if we don't do that, we're all going to die.
0: So when but could we all have a poor quality of life? And the, the goal is, what if the snow line in Wisconsin, uh, we should be getting, uh, getting there. What if it only rains there? And the goal is getting there f-
1: with an economically sound approach that actually benefits people instead of tears. them. How
0: down. do you do that? Because you're the reality yeah, how do is you do that?
1: there's so many parts of climate change and how we can fight it, whether that's energy, agriculture, our actual physical environment. Those all play a role. And by fighting this. There are jobs to be created. There's profit to be gained. There are communities to be boosted. You look at how much money is being and how many jobs are being created from the more sustainable push around this country. Even Tesla was born out of coming out with an alternative to so By the way, does that help? Vehicles? Because
0: electricity has to come from a plant. Exactly. So have our electricity plants been sufficiently overhauled or updated and modernized? That they're they're not you know it's they're no longer coal fired plants belching out pollution just to create electricity that goes into cars that won't belch out the pollution. Well, in China, because cause if we end up in a, it gets as we watch the automotive industry in the United States, I mean globally, but let's talk about the United States. Yeah, and we see Ford and GM, right, and then the rise of of other electric car companies other than Tesla. If we end up in a situation where we're no longer putting gas in our car, but just charging up every day, is that going to help the environment because of the nature of how the electricity is produced? Because you couldn't have said that 50 years ago based on how the electricity is produced. Well,
1: the electric vehicle conversation is a really important one. But unlike the left, we understand that that's not going to be 100 percent of our transportation because we don't have enough minerals, and ability to mine for batteries for an entire globe worth of uh, vehicles and other transportation mechanisms. But yes, the the grid, electricity grid is being upgraded. Unlike other countries in the United States, when you do drive an electric vehicle, it does end up being a positive for the environment compared to a typical combustion engine vehicle. But that's if it's hooked up to nuclear or hydropower or some sort of clean energy source, uh, natural gas. It is not cleaner if it's hooked up to coal.
0: But what's really interesting but where is where are we in the U.S. in regard to that? Where I mean, we're,
1: we're rapidly increasing uh, our dependency on not just renewables, but natural gas and nuclear. The coal in the United States via the marketplace has significantly decreased in the United States over the past couple of decades and a company like Duke Energy or Southern Company or some of these big utilities have decreased their coal production almost tenfold over the past decade. So the progress is ma- being made in that direction and it's not because necessarily everyone wants to fight climate change cuz it's some severe threat. It's largely because of the economics are there. There are cheaper alternatives on the market. Natural gas is cheaper than coal. Nuclear once it's up and running is cheaper than pretty right. much everything.
0: But that's a problem right because there's still a stigma when it comes to oh yeah totally um and
1: nuclear nuclear is critical for american energy security for global energy security we're allowing china to finance over 70 percent of the world's nuclear plants right now because in the united states we have an issue with how we look at nuclear energy with the simpsons and all these other kind of cultural aspects talking about the negatives the rest of the world including our biggest adversaries are coming up with more nuclear solutions and we need it we need nuclear and the united states should be leading
0: all right so if you were if you were if you were king for a day granted that's not how things work what policies would you like to see the united states government implement that you believe would sufficiently address the problems posed by climate change such that it would over time no longer be the problem it is today yeah because it'd
1: only be for one day i'd do probably three things well no
0: assume you're like king in perpetuity in like, perpetuity like certain politicians wish they could be in office oh, forever right. no matter well, how few. many votes are counted for him
1: right yeah we've, we've seen that a few times uh, recently but uh yeah i mean a big emphasis on r- reducing the regulations uh and barriers towards clean energy and what does towards nuclear What is that It takes up to 15 years just to get a permit through to build a nuclear plant.
0: Okay. All right, so so, so number 1 you'd like to see the proliferation of nuclear power plants Absolutely. in the United States. All right, what else?
1: Restoration of our natural ecosystems. What's really interesting about that is all the beautiful natural areas in this country, grasslands, wetlands, coastal areas, they all reduce emissions. If we go back okay, to so second Okay, so give grade. me
0: one example of a natural ecosystem you would like to restore to its natural state. In the East
1: Coast, over 40% of the East Coast used to be grasslands. Now it's less than 2%.
0: There Man, are a lot of... Gotta, we, I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a smart owl here, but like, we've got millions of people <laughs> right. who like live... You know, in in cities and housing developments and suburbs where I'm sure there used to be grassland. So yep. how do you But there are a lot of
1: places where, where there so are pick
0: one, pick one we've all heard of or like an area of the East Coast that we've all heard of that is available to be restored.
1: Yeah. Outside the suburbs of places like Nashville, Raleigh, Charlotte, there are a lot of deserted areas that were cleared out, don't have anything thing going on there. They're rural areas. that don't have farming. They don't have anything else that were cleared out from the grasslands. And those are places that could easily be restored to being a grassland.
0: It's just vacant land. You're just saying. vacant land. Why was it cleared out? Do we know why it was cleared out? Yeah, I mean, old old farms. Okay, uh, so they were once maybe- Right. They were once farms or right. whatever they whatever, were, and yeah. you're saying they're just sitting there.
1: Exactly, they're just sitting there. And there's tons of places like that across the country. There's also, let's think about uh, wetlands for a second, move away from grasslands. I went and toured a wetland in Louisiana where the coastal sea level rise had destroyed a lot of the wetland. You can rebuild that wetland and have it managed so that it continues to stay there for the ecosystem of the wildlife and the people who hunt and do fish there. you have there. to build
0: a seawall to keep the, the ocean out? You can do, do that? that with
1: a wetland. And that's what's really unique about these solutions is that they protect against... The effects of a changing climate, but they also reduce emissions at the same time. But yes, I, there are places in this country that are going to see the impacts of sea level rise and already are seeing that.
0: All right. So are we going to end up if we did nothing and I'm going to get back to the solutions here because I think I'm, I'm on a track here. But um, I, I like to watch this sci-fi show called The Expanse. And whenever mm. they show a shot of Manhattan, Manhattan is now surrounded by like a gigantic seawall because that will not happen. OK. OK. Then no. there's this other movie I watched, which was actually, I didn't like it that much, so I don't even remember the name, but Miami basically turned into... Sharknado? No, not that. That's really bad. I'd remember that. That's so bad. This <laughs> oh, like okay. Sharknado 2. This, this tried to be a good movie, but basically the entire city of Miami was underwater, except for, like, a few little islands. So it's like... It, that's is... more feasible, but but the thing is, is that it won't be some huge storm
1: that wipes everyone out and everyone's gonna just perish. These are incremental changes, a climate changing, whether you think it's all natural or human causes as as part of it, which I do, and, and the science says that these aren't changes that like one day you have a typical ocean and then the next day you have 10 feet of sea level rise. Like these are incremental changes. And so over time, People react to those. So if you're getting sea level rise more and more and more, you might move away from the coast or you might invest in solutions to protect against that. There isn't going to be some moment where some city gets destroyed because of one thing, but it will be these incremental changes. One day there'll be
0: water to... in my front yard and then I'm going to have to figure out what to do. about it. Right. And it's not maybe
1: in Miami, not here.
0: OK. All right. Restoring uh, natural ecosystems that are available to be restored. What else? Another really key principle
1: of what we have looked at in terms of solving climate change is how we look at incentives rather than punishments. The left is all about regulation. It's all about mandates. How can the federal government, as it's done so many times in the past, with oil and gas all the way up to solar, which is definitely worth its critiques these days, invest in new ideas that are happening in universities and with companies, with farmers and ranchers. How can we invest in incentivizing those solutions so that American energy independence and American innovation is at the forefront?
0: So you're saying government policies to promote industry? Exactly,
1: but in an incentivized way. So if if you're coming up with a solution that reduces emissions and it's cost-effective, that you don't have that barrier of getting things off the ground as much. And that's something that the United States government actually over time has done really well.
0: <coughs> Excuse me. Benji Backer is uh, the president of the American Conservation Coalition. He lives in Seattle, Washington. They tend to think about these things. There's a lot of rain there. Uh,
1: there is. And that's growing up in Wisconsin. Uh, Seattle is definitely.
0: Yeah. What's better, snow or rain? Because snow, I, I'd rather have snow. Yep.
1: But what's really interesting about Wisconsin is that where I grew up, the Lake Michigan used to freeze every year. We used to go snowmobiling and sledding every year. We don't even have a white Christmas anymore because it's raining all the time. And the snow line has actually gone up about an hour and a half north of where we live.
0: See, I would I would want to deal with climate change just to get the snow back. Exactly. I I think that's how you motivate kids. Just so they can ski ski more. Yeah. (laughs) Having <laughs> a little fun here, but so um um the other question I wanted to address with you, and look, I, I don't think that US policy, government US US government policy should only exist in relation to what other countries around the world do. Totally. I mean, from an economic national security standpoint, we we do things differently totally quite a bit. But there is an argument that that the US more or less because of both government regulation yep. and private sector innovation mm-hmm. has over the years become I mean, more efficient mm-hmm. in its usage of energy and yeah. therefore the the negative output right yeah. and we've really brought things down over yeah. time and we all you know Right, left, in the middle. Everybody cares about it. They just may look at it differently. Exactly. But how are we supposed to affect the impact of the planet if China and India and other parts of the of both the developing and the developed world don't play along Mm -hmm. with the program? Right. I mean, Europe plays along with the program, uh, but of course, Europe exists. You know, behind the shield of our protection, anyway. Sure so if China doesn't alter its policy and if India doesn't alter its policy and if other countries don't alter policy how what, do does it matter it, yeah yeah I, I, it doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything right. but does it no, mean that no matter what really we do it won't question. really have an impact a
1: really vital question first of all let me talk about the United States for a second. we have reduced emissions more than any other country in the world and it's because of that partnership of local government, state government, federal government, and the private sector working on really common sense solutions, moving from coal to natural gas, reduced emissions significantly in this country. So we do have a a track record, especially over the past couple of decades, of moving in the right direction. And I think we can continue doing that with this more balanced, holistic approach that we won't get if we don't oppose the Green New Deal ideas with that approach. But when it comes to the world at large, does it matter? And the answer is, if China, India keep doing things the way that they're doing things, no. But throughout history, we've had so many times where other countries have been doing things worse than we have, and we've never used that as an excuse to not do things well here. And I think that that's where our leadership comes in. And if we can come up with solutions that work for people of all backgrounds, not just the rich elites On the coasts that can drive the electric vehicles, but people who actually can transition to cleaner alternatives because it's more cost effective, a country like India and China will be more likely to do that and will rely on us for that. But instead, these developing countries that are emitting a lot into the atmosphere because they're developing are already investing in these sorts of solutions and they're not using them yet because they're not necessarily all there yet, but they're going to use them but are they going to be made in India and China or are they gonna be made in the United States? And right now it's looking like India and China and that's pretty upsetting to me.
0: Okay, um, what is wrong with how Democrats and liberals generally propose to deal with climate change? Like would it work? Like no. if w- they, got to, they got there, why wouldn't it work? And what's wrong? There? The Green New Deal is a $94 trillion
1: plan that addresses 3% of global emissions, global pollution. That's the entire world economy to address three percent So it's your argument your
0: argument is that even if they got their way. Yep. Three percent. It would fail. Yes. And so to me Why would it fail?
1: Because they're attacking this from a social justice lens and a economic lens, not an environmental lens. They're not looking at this from how do we reduce emissions. They're looking at this as how do we transform the American economy. And so when you take the principles of their plan and you put it into the data of if we reduced emissions here, here and here, what would happen? It really comes out to 3% of global emissions. And we're talking about carbon emissions in the atmosphere. That's what contributes to climate change. 3% for $94 trillion. On top of that, their messaging is alarmist. It's doom and gloom. And what's funny is that they act like Republicans don't believe in science. I think the thing that's worse than denying that these problems exist is overhyping how bad it is to try to win an election because the things that they're claiming aren't scientific either. The things that they're claiming about the world ending and that we need this $94 trillion plan and all this, it's not based in reality. And so it's turning people like you and I and so many other people in the center or right of center in this country away from the conversation when we should be engaging and letting those bad ideas go by the wayside. All
0: right, I wanted to ask you about the you know this term climate denier. So, yeah. my short-term memory is not always as good as it used to be, which I blame on my little kids, <laughs> They're ten and seven, and, um, and I, I, it's their fault. But it's always the, the kids' cl- fault. Climate denier to me, the only other time I've heard the term denier used as like a phrase is Holocaust denier, mm-hmm. right? And so. I feel like the term climate denier or whatever was adopted as a way to delegitimize uh, the idea that you might not agree that climate change is an issue mm-hmm. um, that or that you're a skeptic. And of course, the correlation here is if you don't believe the Holocaust happened or you're skeptical about the Holocaust, you're kind of an idiot mm-hmm. and potentially... Um, a racist and an anti-semite right and or a, a lunatic um, but let's talk about that term the different let's talk about whether or not that term is effective what you think about the term I and I didn't mean to set this up in any way you can answer an whatever question. you want is it a helpful term and is the science really in your view as Done. clear yeah. as day that that you may just choose not you may choose to be a skeptic or you just it may not make sense to you but that if you actually read the science that there's no other conclusion to draw
1: sure that's a really important question so climate denier was used as a way to frame an us versus them mentality from the environmentalists it's okay for people to be skeptical and they've also made that a negative term i think denying that these problems exist is a problem being skeptical makes sense. We should always be questioning science. Science is always evolving, always changing. We're always learning more. We're always getting new ways to look at things and new research. So I think the denier word is pretty toxic. And there's only a few people that I've ever met who truly are denying the fact that, no, we do definitely not have an impact on this. The vast majority of people are skeptical. They're not denying, they're skeptical. And if you do read the science, one thing is settled, which is that we are having an impact. That is settled. We know that for sure. So but, if, we the, but we don't know.
0: I but we don't you. know. But we
1: don't know the thing that's unsettled and probably won't be settled for a while is what that impact is. And there is a lot of scenarios where they have kind of a, a. Is it
0: possible the impact is negligible?
1: It's very unlikely, but it's possible. Okay, And that's and that's where science has always been is you never are able to prove most things. Okay, So the
0: science tells you that climate that that we as human beings on this planet are impacting the climate in a negative fashion. Exactly. And your reading of the science is that that is settled. Yes. Your reading of the science is also that while we don't know ultimately what the impact might be. You find it very unlikely, based on your reading of the science, that the impact is negligible. That's exactly right. Okay. And so... How do you have this conversation, then, with people who don't believe you? Um, (laughs) Or is it... On the skeptical side. Yeah. Yeah. Or just say, listen, you guys just want to take away my truck right or you you know that there's something behind it or okay i trust you benji but uh, you know what right. is this going to cost me or like how do you how do you think you create let's say politically in the united states an environment yeah. Excuse use the pun where where republican voters conservative voters um because they're the ones that tend to be the climate change skeptics right. or at least say, okay, you know, maybe it's a problem, but I, I've got bigger fish to fry. Bigger fish to fry, yeah. Uh, how do you sort of change minds in that regard so that people then, so that then the debate is, okay, Benji, totally agree. Now give me a solution that's palatable because their solution's no good. Well, because the environment touches on
1: every part of our lives. I mean, we are, we are sitting here using items that were created from resources in our environment and, you know, we we drive through the environment, we live in the environment, conservatives live in the environment, it affects us every single day. And so to think that this isn't something that's worth focusing on is not necessarily right, because even though there might be more pressing issues, this affects every part of our life. The environment and our resources affects every part of our life. And without that, we don't have the ability to do the things that we do. And so the key part of our approach is that you don't have to stop driving your Ford F-150. You don't have to stop eating meat. You don't have to do life differently. We should only be pursuing policies that are better for people, that are low-cost and high-impact. And if people want to do things that they want to do, we should allow them to keep doing it. But if you can drive a Ford F-150 that has the same feel and it's less polluting, that's a win because you still get to do what you want to do and the world is better off because of it. Those are the sorts of solutions that we're we're looking at. It's not, you need to stop doing this, you need to stop doing that.
0: So you think you changed the argument by... By focusing on the positive aspects of what to do exactly. in relation to climate change, rather than constantly talking about taking things away.
1: Yeah, I don't think anything should be taken away. I think what needs to happen is that innovation solves complex problems. It has throughout history. This is another area. And okay. when innovation is successful, people benefit.
0: All right, uh, I'm going I'm to close with two questions. One, just because it's my podcast and I'm like really curious. I think, And, and I think from a political standpoint, I think this this can hurt the climate change movement. Um, one, everything that happens in the climate now is climate change. I, yeah. You know, it used to be when that's I was a kid it was global warming, which meant, OK, only warming. Right. But like when we have a snowstorm, that's climate change. When I have a hurricane, it's climate change. When it's too hot, it's climate change. When it's too cold, it's climate change. Everything's climate change. And well, there's I, I'm not a, I don't. By the way, I don't come from this from from even You're necessarily being a yeah. skeptic. It's just not one of my top issues, but but um. Like, is that true? Is everything climate change?
1: Those are people who don't know what they're talking about. And it's not scientific at all. There are certain events that might be slightly worse than they would have been with climate change, but not all of them. And, And no storm or drought or whatever was caused by climate change. And so by blaming all these things solely on climate change is not scientific. And the scientists will tell you that.
0: Okay. And you're you're maybe the first guest ever to escape in Trump's shadow without getting a question about Trump, but it's really not relevant for you. But here's what is relevant. I I want to reference a conversation I had with Kevin McCarthy, um, House Minority Leader, possibly the next Speaker of the House uh, a couple of years ago. And his read on younger voters was that climate change was sufficiently important to them that if Republicans didn't offer them something, that they would lose those voters potentially yes. forever, and I wanted to ask you, in in your experience, even if you know there's there's a, a Republican sitting around somewhere that could care less about climate change and thinks it's a bogus issue from a pure tactical, political, selfish standpoint do Republicans have to say to young voters that they believe in climate change and here's my agenda? And, and maybe they'll think it's insufficient, but they have to say, yes, it's a problem, and here's my plan to deal with it. Is this almost a, is this almost like, like a, like it's a, a prerequisite, t- a litmus, it, litmus test?
1: It is absolutely a litmus test, and it's a litmus test not just for young Democrats, but young independents and young Republicans. Uh, Support for Republicans who believe in climate change is incredibly robust for young people when they are out there talking about an agenda that works. And President Trump, one of his biggest st- sticking points when he was president with young people was his denial of climate change. Kevin McCarthy released a the start of a climate plan recently because it's one of his top seven issues because he knows that yes, I mean, the economics and the environment, all that makes uh, a difference and we need to have a leadership role, but the politics matters too. And young voters are going to leave the Republican party in droves, they already are, because of this sole issue. And that's something that is going to hit them in the Is this a bigger problem for
0: Republicans than Trump himself? There, I got into Trump question.
1: Long-term, yes. Short-term, no. Long-term, yes.
0: Benji Backer is the president of the American Conservation Coalition. Conserving? Is exactly what's in the conservative name, so it's
1: easy to get them confused.
0: Um, Benji, thanks so much for thanks talking so to much. us on In Trump's Shadow. Great to be here. Brian Johnson is the producer of this episode of In Trump's Shadow, The Battle for 2024. My book, In Trump's Shadow, The Battle for 2024 and the Future of the GOP, is now available for purchase wherever books are sold. And every day, you can find my work online at www.washingtonexaminer.com. We'll see you next time. Ricochet. Join the conversation.